We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldview. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And good Monday, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today on this Martin Luther King Day. Want to talk a little bit about that in just a few moments. And documents, documents. Who has the documents? Where are the documents? We're just learning more and more every day. Uh, More documents found on the weekend. Now, wait a minute. The White House told us last week that the... The search for the documents was all over. It had been done, and that the White House completely transparent in all of this. And then we wake up on Saturday morning, and what to our wondering ears should appear? But the news that there were more documents found at Joe Biden's personal dwelling there in Delaware. So we're going to talk about a little bit about that and and where the White House is this morning, because the Republicans, among other things, are asking for visitor logs. Who is it that's been allowed to see these top-secret documents, these classified documents that Joe Biden has had spread over various places over the last four or five years? We'll get the uh, the answer to that in just a few moments. But first, I uh, wanted to remind you this very special week here at American Family Radio, we are uh, spending the week really wanting to emphasize and partner with Preborn Ministry. What is Preborn? It supports hundreds of Christian pregnancy clinics across the country and providing free life-saving services such as ultrasounds. And we know the, the plague of abortion on this country, but what Preborn is all about is really talking to and helping women who are debating whether they're going to have an abortion. And these ultrasounds, what happens, many of these women, thousands of these women who have been given these ultrasounds decide to keep their baby. And that's what this is all about. In fact, over the past 16 years, preborn centers have counseled over 450,000 women considering abortion and more than 200,000 babies' lives have been saved. And more than 65,000 women have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. So how can you help? Well, for a gift of $28, provides one woman seeking an abortion, a free ultrasound, giving that mom the opportunity to choose life for her baby. A $140 gift provides for five free ultrasound sessions. So where do you go from there? Well, you go to your phone, 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or you can go right to AFR.net, AFR.net, and you can donate online. Can't think of uh, a more important ministry than that, the saving of lives of little innocent unborn babies. And also, isn't it amazing (laughs) when you follow the science, and that's what ultrasound does, it allows that mom to see that that is a baby, not a blob, it is a baby. And so often when they see that, they say, I want to bring that baby into life. I want to bring that baby and let it be born. It may, it may be that that young lady cannot keep the baby herself, but at least she can offer it then 
to another family who wants to take that baby and adopt it. But that's what preborn is all about. So for you to be able to help, very easily, $28, as I say, gives a free ultrasound to one woman, 140 to, or for five free ultrasound sessions reaching five women with the message of life. And don't forget, these women also encounter the gospel at preborn. So call right now, 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or you can donate online to AFR.net. Well, as I mentioned, today is Martin Luther King Day. We honor the legacy of Martin Luther King. I was very interested in reading a editorial from his niece, uh, Alveda King. You're very familiar with her. We've interviewed Alveda King many times on this program and she, of course, is honoring her uncle. But you know what? She is telling a very different story than probably what most of the left-wing politicians are saying about Martin Luther King today. She says, uh, of course, his vision uh, during his lifetime. She said, I could see firsthand how deeply my uncle truly believed in the promise of the American dream. He did not believe our nation was irredeemably stained by racism and prejudice. Instead, he laid out a vision where people could come together under our shared values and pursue one American dream. And she says, you know, we haven't reached that vision completely yet. After all, truth must be upheld and victory must be won anew in every generation. Yet, she says, my uncle's dream of a nation where people are, quote, not judged by the color of their skin, not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. She says, we're getting there, but we're not there yet. But you know what's not helping? I I listened to a speech given this morning by President Joe Biden on this. And instead of a speech that would celebrate, as Alveda King has done, in remembering what the goal was of Martin Luther King, there was the President of the United States dividing the country once again, announcing a bunch of government programs that only people of color were qualified to apply for. More government money, whether it was for housing or uh, businesses that had to be owned by people of color. But once again, dividing the nation, where Martin Luther King wanted to bring the nation under together under the, uh, under the banner of character. Character is what counts. So, um, and that has been the agenda. And we've seen that in this country. Has, uh, has this country come, you know, Joe Biden, when he was running for president, said he was going to be the great unifier. That hasn't happened, folks. Our country perhaps now is more divided under Joe Biden than it has ever been. And, uh, you know, one of the interesting aspects of this in the wake of the, uh, the death of George Floyd there in uh, Minneapolis, it divided the country even more. And communities of color have actually suffered because of the attack against police and police departments. And, and Joe Biden was going on with, with this once again this morning. Uh, so it is sad that these people who, like Joe Biden, who try to present themselves as champions, try to present themselves as champions of bringing the country together, instead are using the opportunity of Martin Luther King Day to divide the country even more. All right, uh, to the Joe Biden documents. Well, uh, as I mentioned, we woke up Saturday morning to the news that even more documents have been found. So let's briefly go through this. We now know 
that the White House was aware of this way back November 2nd, last fall. Interestingly enough, a week before the election. They also found out that documents went beyond uh, where they were found there at the Penn, Penn Biden Center uh, there in Washington, D.C. We found out there were boxes of uh, these documents that were in Joe Biden's garage at his home in Delaware. Oh, but <laughs> Joe Biden under questioning from Peter Ducey last week, you may remember this. He said, but they're in a locked garage with my very precious Corvette. Uh, so don't worry about it because nobody could get at that garage because my Corvette was in there. Really? And then then that was going to be it. And then we're told, oh, by the way, a few days later, we're told last week, uh, there was one more document found inside the house itself in the library. But that's it. The investigation. It's all done. In fact, uh, we're going to listen to cut number six. This is Karine Jean-Pierre last week saying search it, it's it's all over cut number six does that mean there are no other locations where documents could be stored there's no other search underway at this moment in time for documents from the vice president's time they um they have uh, as part as the lawyers they look through the places where documents could have been uh, stored so we should assume that it, it's been completed it, it, you should assume that it's been completed yes you could say it's been completed yes well no it really hasn't because just hours later we're talking just hours later. Uh, the president's lawyers, who, by the way, probably shouldn't have been in there by themselves, uh, because now these are, are where, where these documents are kept, they're supposed to be secure. And that doesn't mean that the president's lawyers are the only ones in there. Anyway, these lawyers or aides, they find more documents, five more documents in that house. So how many more documents are there? Is it any wonder why the Republicans this morning are asking for, we want to know if they're visitors' logs at this Delaware residence. We want to know who's been able to get into the house and see. Well, we do know <laughs> that son Hunter Biden actually lived in that house during the time that these documents were stored in the garage and in the house. But I doubt very much that there were any visitor logs. Listen, folks, there is so much more to this story that we need to be aware of. And that's why there's 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 going to be more inquiries. I'm not sure if there's going to be a White House briefing today where Karine Jean-Pierre is going to be asked a little bit more about this. But these are actually, some people are considering these, these sites now are actually crime scenes. They're crime scenes. Because the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, in, in announcing the special counsel last week, he told everybody these were not secure locations. And these classified documents are supposed to be kept in secure locations. Obviously, they were not. And do not forget, some people are trying to compare this to Mara Largo. No, no, no. These documents have been sitting in these locations for years. The Penn Biden Center was opened in 2018 after then Vice President Joe Biden left office. And lest we forget, this Penn Biden Center, uh, when it got up and operating, uh, Penn being uh, short for the University of Pennsylvania, the center worked with the University of Pennsylvania, millions of dollars all of a sudden appeared through this Penn Biden Foundation, 
appeared from China. Donors in China. Now, folks, there are not a lot of millionaires per se in China. So when you talk about donations coming from China, up to, actually up to about $30 million, uh, we're talking probably from the Chinese government. Do you start to see the possibility of a web here? You got to put the Hunter Biden laptop thing all together that we know about, you know, uh, uh, China may Hunter Biden making deals with China. And remember what Hunter Biden said in those emails that we now know are true, that these emails said, uh, oh, keep some money aside for the big guy and the speculation about the big guy being his dad, Joe Biden and all of that. And so now we know that through this Penn Biden Center, $30 million plus coming into uh, the coffers, uh, went to the University of Pennsylvania. And then surprisingly, uh, when Joe Biden becomes president, he appoints the former University of Pennsylvania president to a an ambassadorship. You talk about uh, a tightness of relationships and then you add all these documents. And what were these? What did these classified documents contain? What were they uh, dealing with? Well, there's there's uh, some reports that certainly there were documents dealing with Ukraine. Need we remind you? Remember the controversy involving when Joe Biden was vice president. One of his jurisdictions was the Ukraine, and that his son Hunter Biden was on the board of some kind of gas company there. And he was getting some ridiculous amount of money to sit on the board. And again, do we have to remind folks that uh, Hunter Biden had no experience in oil and gas industry, but there he was sitting on the board. You know, it just, when you put all of this together, you know what? The one conclusion you come to, it really does stink. So now with the Republicans in charge of the House. We are being promised that they're going to look into all of these things. Of course, the other aspect of this is some people are speculating, you know, all of this stuff is coming to public now about the documents, um, that perhaps Democrats are a little bit happy about this because they don't want Joe Biden running in 2024. We will wait and see. This is an ongoing story, let me tell you. All right, we're back to more on The Core right after the break. Don't go away. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Acts 17.26 conveys to us the reality that we were born and placed in the 21st century by God's specific design. He determined before time where we would live and when we would live there. If you're in Minnesota, Mississippi, or Maine, God put you there on purpose. He's not surprised by the darkness we see around us, nor is he caught off guard by it. In fact, he specifically prepared for it by making sure you're alive right now. God can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to use you and me as ambassadors of his kingdom. We are his torches to light up the darkness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. The enemy has many tools he uses to take hold of the mind and heart. One rather effective tactic is to convince a child that physical pain will make emotional hurt disappear. Curiosity leads to crossing the threshold of trying it out. Then the brain's relationship to self-created pain and harm is forged. If you notice behavior changes in your girl paired with evidence of self-mutilation, don't wait to begin conversations and even seek out professional help. From wearing long sleeves constantly to actual visible wounds, the signals point to a deeper heart issue at play. God cherishes your girl, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. The Lord will compassionately guide you and your girl through a dark season. His healing waits on the other side. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Politics in the state of Mississippi, and nationally for that matter, are at best crooked. And that's why you need someone who's real, who's raw, who calls it correctly. Who's real, who's raw, politics in Mississippi. Well, that wasn't really a uh, a banner ad, uh, but you know what? That's the kind of thing that you have to be bold about when you're a Christian activist. And on the line right now is Stephen Utroska. How are you doing, Stephen? Doing good, Fred. How are you? Did I pronounce that right, Utroska? You got it right on the money. Yeah, I figured that's Irish or Scottish or something like that, is it? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. It's actually a <laughs> Prussian Polak. <laughs> good to have you with us well listen you are currently the state director for mississippi at the state freedom caucus network tell us a little bit more about that and what you're all about in the way of uh could i say maybe irritating from time to time lawmakers in mississippi sure yeah we absolutely do that uh so the state freedom caucus network was really launched out of the idea of the the u.s house freedom caucus so uh, you know, there were nine members in the U.S. House that launched Freedom Caucus back in uh, 2015, and they have been uh, the thorn in the side of the establishment Republicans in D.C. since then. Of course, you know, we just saw uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, 20 of those members standing up and fighting uh, for new rules in the U.S. House that would bring uh, you know, a lot of order back to the members. And uh, so they are continuing to do that fight in D.C., but we saw that model and said, we need to bring this to the states. Of 
course, the states is where it all starts. Uh, we believe in the power of the states and the Tenth Amendment. And so we uh, launched this back in December of 21. Uh, Georgia was the first uh, state to join the Freedom Caucus Network. Mississippi, my home state here, it was the second to join uh, in January of last year. So just a little over a year ago, the Mississippi joined. We now have uh, 10 states across the country uh, that have Freedom Caucuses uh, that have launched in their states and joined the network so that they are doing what we see in the U.S. House representatives with the Freedom Caucus there. They are now doing that in the states. Uh, we have 10 as of now. Our goal is to have another 10 to 15 by the end of this year. And if we can reach the goal of, you know, the higher goal of 15, we'll basically have half the states with uh, the most you know, conservative, constitutional-minded Christian conservatives uh, in state legislatures throughout the country fighting for our values. All right, folks, uh, you know, folks across the country saw what happened in the debate over picking a leader as the Republicans took over the House uh, there in the last couple of weeks. We saw that uh, it went 15 rounds uh, right. be- before the, the leader was finally chosen. And as you mentioned, these 20 uh, of the Freedom Caucus and what they were pointing to, they 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 held back uh, on allowing uh uh, Kevin to become the the House leader because they said they didn't want the status quo and really their focus was the Republican Party, not Democrats. They believed right. that their Republicans had become part of the the swamp or whatever the case may be, going along too easily with the Democrat Party agenda. So is is it is it the goal of the Freedom Caucus to try to reform? the Republican Party, or perhaps bring it back to what it was? Yeah, so, you know, so I work for the network, not specifically the U.S. House Freedom Caucus. Sure. uh, But it is our goal, you know, in the network to have uh, members of the state legislatures to bring back their uh, legislatures to Christian conservative, constitutional conservative ideals. So here in Mississippi, we have been, you know, supermajority Republican state. Uh, since 2011, so over 10 years now, more than a decade, we have had uh, Republican control of our state house and state senate, and we you know have all eight of our statewide elected officials are Republicans. We have you know Republicans are everywhere in Mississippi, but we constantly have a fight with leadership on actually getting conservative legislation passed. You would think with the supermajority Republicans in a state like Mississippi, we should be as red as one could get. But if you look at scorecards like the American Conservative Union scorecard, which, you know, ACU is who puts on CPAC, um, if you look at their scorecard for Mississippi for our state legislature, we're a purple state. There's absolutely no reason why we should be a purple state based on our state legislature if we have Republicans everywhere. So it is our caucus's goal, you know, in the states and the network to, to support those caucuses in the states to make sure that we hold Republicans to the values for which they espouse. Um, you know, we are a nonpartisan organization, but our values line up more with the Republican Party. And so if you look at their platform of what they say they believe in, when they campaign what they say they believe in, that's what we want to hold them to. We want to make sure that they are continuing to uphold their promises made during campaign season, but we rarely see that. And so we want to make sure we are telling not only uh, you know, our members who are fighting in the state legislature, but telling the grassroots, the people who voted, the constituents, 
we want to make sure they are aware of what's going on in our state capitol because it's all too easy for them to vote come election time and then to you know not get involved in politics or not follow what's going on in the state legislature. So we just want to bring that to light. All right. We're talking with Stephen Utroska, and he is the uh, state director for Mississippi at the State Freedom Caucus Network. Now, you just mentioned there you want to bring forward conservative legislation. Can you give us some examples of the kind of things that your group is striving for that you want to become law in the state of Mississippi? Yeah, so the Mississippi Freedom Caucus came out this year. They they published a 2023 uh, legislative agenda of the things they want to work on. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, we're, we're in the post-Roe uh, v. Wade generation now. Uh, we, you know, Mississippi, that came out of Mississippi, the Dobbs decision. Uh, myself and uh, our officers from the Mississippi Freedom Caucus just happened to be in D.C. when that decision came down. So we were at the Supreme Court when it came down. And we know that in light of that, we know that there are many people out there who are going to be pushing things like Medicaid expansion in Mississippi to try uh, to to say that that's a solution to the problems that we you know we have created through uh, not allowing abortion. You know, some of our members were uh, part of the uh, authorship for that bill for the Dobbs decision bill, and we'll continue to support that in Mississippi. We no longer have any abortion clinics in Mississippi, but we have to look at what we can do uh, in that whether that's uh, cutting red tape for adoption, trying to allow uh, people an easier route to adopt, uh, cutting down on the expenses from the government side of that, uh, but also we want to fight Medicaid expansion. Medicaid expansion is not the answer to that. So we'll be working on that. We always want to fight with government overspending, government overtaxing. So we fought last year uh, for the income tax elimination a bill that came out, of course, it ultimately resulted in a uh, income tax reduction, not a full elimination. But the state right now, Mississippi and many states across the country are flush with cash, and there's absolutely no reason in a Republican-held state like Mississippi we can't do a full elimination. The numbers work out. We've looked at the data. The policy of it works out. So we'll be fighting for that to try to get a full elimination. Um, we want to continue to work in voter um, integrity uh, bills. Last year, Mississippi passed a bill that did very little. Uh, it was you know, certainly celebrated by many uh, on the right as being a, a transformative bill, things we're doing to protect our elections. Uh, we don't think it went far enough, so we've introduced a bill this year, the Mississippi Freedom Caucus has, uh, to try to make sure we protect our elections. If we cannot protect our elections, then we will lose our republic. That is you know, one of the core values of our country and our state to have secure elections. So we'll continue to uh, introduce legislation to make sure we can protect those and we have secure elections. Uh, we'll, uh, we're going to continue to fight uh, against any kind of Second Amendment uh, violations. Uh, people think in Mississippi, because you know we are a fairly free state when it comes to Second Amendment, uh, to our gun protection laws, uh, that we don't have anything to worry about, but there's a lot of federal bills coming down, that federal funding bills that have gun control stipulations with those. So if we see any federal funding that comes down that has any gun control legislation slipped into it, we want to make sure as a state we push back from the federal government for those overreaches. Uh, we also want to fight against the ESGs. You know, ESG is a very difficult topic to tell the grassroots to explain that. Uh, but it's basically state taking state dollars, our tax dollars, and investing that into woke corporations, 
corporations that believe in uh, climate change, you know, the, the Green New Deal type things, uh, the Paris Climate Accord type things, investing in businesses, that that is their main production or goal. And we want to make sure that any of our state dollars, whether that's our tax dollars being invested in those funds or uh, our state retirees, their pension fund from the state being uh, invested in those, we want to make sure that that is not being done. The state treasurer has come out and supported us in that. And so we hope to continue to fight that. Wow. Uh, busy, busy agenda. You know, and looking at some of the background material, uh, I notice a uh, lovely wife. You have two kids, a little boy, a little girl. I do. Absolutely. They're uh, five and six. Five and six. Well, obviously, as a parent, as a Christian parents, uh, what do you think about the state of education and what the government is doing for education options in Mississippi? Yeah, so that, that's a huge topic across the country, educational freedom. That's certainly one of our uh, primary goals that we want to fight for across the country in the network. We're urging our state caucuses to fight in that. Mississippi, uh, because of the chairman uh, that we have in the House, he is anti-school choice, anti-educational freedom. We have not had any kind of educational freedom come out of Mississippi uh, since like 2016, I think was the last time. We may have had some slight ones, but no big reform since then. And it doesn't look like we're going to get anything this year. We'll continue to fight for it. I homeschool my own kids. I believe in uh, freedom of, of Christians, especially to be able to educate our children apart from the state, apart from the government. Uh, you know, Pastor Vody Bacham, one of my favorite pastors, he said, you know, uh, and I'm paraphrasing this some, but we can't continue sending our our kids to Caesar and be surprised when they come home as Romans. And I believe that. I think that we should have choice. If we're putting money, we're, we're being taxed to pay for education. I think that parents should have the right to decide and determine where that money is spent for their child to get an education. All right, Stephen, uh, you're very much involved, very much engaged in trying to bring these changes about. I'm going to give you a minute or so that we have left here to talk to people who are listening right now, not only in Mississippi, but across the country, because the kinds of things that you've been talking about the last few moments, I know are on the minds of a lot of our listeners across the country. So um, what can what can individuals do? What can moms and dads do? I'm thinking about what happened up in Loudoun County in Virginia when parents found out what was going on in their schools. They didn't just complain they got involved. So right. I want to give you a, a couple of minutes just to encourage people as to how they can get involved. Absolutely. Yeah, so if you're in Mississippi, you can go to freedomcaucus.ms. That is our Mississippi Freedom Caucus's website. You can uh, sign on to their uh, newsletter. They send out a newsletter usually twice per week during session, once per week off session, let you know what's going on in our state and country. Uh, if you're not in Mississippi, go to the statefreedomcaucus.org. That is our website for the network. Uh, you can find your state there. If you don't have a Freedom Caucus in your state yet, reach out to us. You can go on the website there and uh, contact us and let us know that you want one in your state. Again, we've got 10 that are lined up already this year that we want to launch. We've got 10 already on board, but you have to get involved. We have to do this from the ground up with grassroots. We will never win back our country and turn our country around if people do not get involved. Mississippi, it's an election year this year. We have an odd year election year. 2023, I encourage you to get out, support candidates who believe in our Christian conservative values, who believe in the Constitution, and will continue to fight uh, for what our founders believed in when they started our country and our, you know, our state. So get out, fight, and don't let things go, or 
they will continue to go down if you do not get involved. Stephen Utroska has been our guest, State Director for Mississippi at the State Freedom Caucus Network. Give us the website once again where folks can go and get some more information. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in Mississippi, go to freedomcaucus.ms. That's for the Mississippi Freedom Caucus. Or go to statefreedomcaucus.org. That is for the network, so you can find all the states that were within the network. All right, Stephen Utroska, thank you so much. We appreciate uh, what you're doing. Thank you for your leadership on these fronts and we hope that others not only in mississippi but others across the country will get activated because you know Stephen, i'm just thinking about this this is what liberals have been so good at over the last number of decades which is why they've kind of taken over the education system and uh, media and that sort of thing uh but christians I, i think are waking up absolutely and i hope they will continue to wake up yeah. Stephen, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on with us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. Stephen Utroska, leader and activist here in Mississippi and the uh, state director for Mississippi at the State Freedom Caucus. You know, those are it's part of an encouragement uh, that's going on across the country right now. We've seen it there in Virginia, and that is uh, continuing in Virginia, what happened up there in November of uh, 21. And we saw it in the, in the last election cycles for school boards, what happened in Florida uh, when uh, Christian activists got involved running for office. Um, there was a group that we talked to. I'm talking to our producer now, Bobby. Um, Moms for Liberty. I think they are a Florida group. Uh, I'm not sure of the state. Momsforliberty.org. Momsforliberty.org very much involved uh, in these local elections. And it starts, uh, you say, well, running for a legislature or running for a member of Congress, that takes a lot of money. No, I mean, that's not where you start. You start where the liberals started many years ago. You start at school boards. You start at city councils, those sorts of things. You look at those things, you see what's going on, you see what the agenda is there, and you say, you know what? going to change things i have to get involved as well so that's where it all starts folks and uh you have to be like steven utroska there get involved be part of it all right much more ahead uh steven was talking about what's going on in the legislature in mississippi we are going to be talking to the state treasurer here in mississippi in just a few moments and we'll talk to some of these agenda items with state treasurers so don't go away Much more ahead here in Monday edition of The Core. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need your YouTube. Banned one day. Banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. 
Unbanned. Just search AFA Streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65+. plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other, too. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. American Family Radio Listening Family, this is Bible League International, and we've spent the last few weeks telling you about persecuted believers praying for Bibles to be able to endure and persevere in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. We told you about Pastor Rusis, whose three sons were murdered by a terrorist group that hates Christians, but rather than retaliate with violence, they invited these people to learn about Jesus. 200 have come to Christ. They need Bibles in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And in the Middle East, Pastor Yusuf and a deacon in his church were kidnapped in broad daylight when the family could not pay the ransom. They kill the deacon. They torture Pastor Yusuf. But with conviction today, that brother can say it's an honor to suffer for the Lord. AFR listeners, you've given so generously in recent weeks so that 9,000 Bibleist persecuted believers now have a Bible. Our goal is 16,000. So in this season of giving, at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you pray about it? And then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And indeed, welcome back to this Monday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today. And just a quick reminder, we are teaming up this week with Preborn which is just a terrific ministry that is aimed at uh, helping women who may be facing a decision over abortion to carry through and let that baby be born. And how do they do that? Well, they encourage moms uh, to have an ultrasound so those moms can see that that's not just a blob of tissue in there. It is a baby boy, a baby girl. And that ministry has been so effective in doing this. Uh, They say they've counseled over 450,000 women in recent years and more than 200,000 babies have been saved, and more than 65,000 women have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. And how can you help, you ask? Well, a gift of $28 provides one woman seeking an abortion a free ultrasound, and for $140, it provides five free ultrasound sessions, reaching five women with the message of life. So you can help out right now on that front by calling 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or you can donate online at AFR.net. Well, uh, one of the news stories that came out this morning in the midst of everything else was the opening of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Uh, conservatives... Uh, watch these proceedings with somewhat a skeptical eye because they believe a lot of these folks are globalists uh, 
Uh, one of the more interesting things always is climate change is high on their agenda. And it is pointed out many times that these world leaders, including people like Joe Biden's environmental czar, John, uh, can, can, uh, yes, uh, I'm looking for, uh, uh, John, uh, anyway, uh, some of Biden officials, John Kerry, thank you very much, uh, John Kerry, flying in on his own executive jet, like so many others, and they preach that they're worried about carbon footprint, but they have this long lineup of executive jets that are there, and as John Kerry has said many times, well, I'm doing important business. That's why I get to fly around in these jets. But anyway, one item on their agenda this morning was they are really pushing something called the environmental, social, and governance standards in business. All right? And that, uh, many conservatives believe, is bad news on so many fronts, and it's one of the concerns of our next guest, David McRae. He is the treasurer, state treasurer here in Mississippi, and he joins us on the line right now. Good good afternoon to you, David. Uh, Good afternoon. I'm glad to be here, and... uh... You kind of summed up a, a good portion in the problem uh, affecting ESG and um, looking forward to talking with you a few minutes about it. All right. Why are you concerned about this? Well, you know, you, you're right. ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance. And my concern is for the state of Mississippi is that these businesses up north and these investment firms are trying to regulate policy in kind of a backdoor way instead of going through the federal government. What they are doing essentially is saying, well, if you don't meet our environmental guidelines, our social guidelines, our governance guidelines, we're not going to give money to your state. And that is, to me, a problem. It also goes a little deeper than that. The credit rating agencies, which the state treasury is one of my prime focuses at the state treasury, one of my prime responsibilities, actually, the credit rating agencies are now starting to say, well, if you have certain environmental factors, well, we're going to give you a lower credit rating. And to me, that is uh, an, an absurd comment from them because really our credit rating or how we get our money or what we invest in is if we can pay the bills and if we have the money to do it. And they're not even looking at whether or not we can do those things. You said you have particular concern about our agriculture industry in this state. Well, the beginning of ESG, when I first got into office, and I will be honest, I was in the private sector. Um, We had looked at ESG funds when I worked with my family's investment firm and everything, but they never made money, so we never did them. When I got into the Treasury, I talked to treasurers in West Virginia and other coal mining states. And what had originally happened, and I'll get to the agricultural part, but what originally happened was that these banks and investment firms stopped letting loaning money to uh, states that did oil production or coal. Now, we don't have coal here in Mississippi, but what we do have is agriculture. And what you're seeing is that the next target after oil, we do have oil, but our primary focus is agriculture. What you're seeing then is that these banks are going to start coming after agriculture and saying how many heads of cattle you can have, how many uh, lands of timber you can cut at a time, or what you can do. You're already seeing this in the Scandinavian countries where they have had, the EU has put in ESG policies and not allowing them to cut as much timber, which has created a crisis. Also, it's created a food crisis because they've had uh, a cut down on how much 
heads of cattle you can have. I mean, these are serious problems, and eventually we'll come here to Mississippi and it will be a, a problem here. Explain to some people who may say, wait a minute, what do cows and trees have to do with good economic policy? I'm sorry you broke up there. Can you repeat your question? Yeah. A, a lot of people may be listening and not familiar with these, uh, what I would call, wacko left-wing policies. But they, they really, you're, you're not exaggerating. When these far lefties want to talk about reducing the number of cattle a farmer can have or stopping people from cutting down trees, uh, just fill in the gap there as to why these lefties uh, think this is a good idea. Well, they think it's a good idea because they feel that they're, these are woke agendas. They feel like this is what makes them feel better. I imagine if you went to most of these people in New York and in, in these investment firms, I imagine they've never been on a farm. I imagine they've never seen timber cut. I imagine they've never done these things or see the impact that they have. These people live in a bubble that they just don't know how the rest of the world really works. And that's really become the problem. And going back to the credit rating part, the problem is there is that you are basing ESG policy, you're basing our credit rating, you're basing on what we can do on ESG policy that has nothing to do if we can pay our bills or not. The credit rating, the credit rating for the state of Mississippi is totally based on if I can pay our state's bills, which we can, but they don't seem to care about that. Well, let's uh, change the topic a little slightly. Uh, legislation and legislators are getting back to business in Mississippi as they are. And we, we see some exciting things happening on various fronts in other legislators. Uh, Arkansas has a new governor and uh, exciting what uh, she is doing there, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And we see uh, good things happening in Tennessee. Uh, but also here in Mississippi, uh, the effort is continuing to try to uh, eliminate, uh, work on eliminating the state income tax. Can you give us a little bit more information on that front? Well, you know, I am looking forward to seeing what they come up with. Um, and, you know, we're kind of early in the session. You know, they worked on it hard last year and came to, I think, a really good compromise on what they wanted to do. And I think uh, both chambers kind of have something they're interested in. And we'll see what comes out in the wash. Re- regardless, you know, uh, it will help Mississippians save money, which will then help Mississippians put it back into the economy, which is, I think is what we all want. Well, let me play the devil's advocate for just a second here. When when people hear about, uh, you know, a state that talks about eliminating income tax, they say, okay, where are they going to make up the money? Where Because the bills are going to keep coming in, so you got to find that revenue somewhere else. So what is it that you do to try to find other sources of revenue to make up for that loss of income tax? Well, that, that's a great question. I think the answer is uh, that the legislature is going to have to figure out where that comes from. Uh, right now, you know, revenue is high for sales tax. Revenue is high for corporate tax. Uh, revenue is high for every other thing. Uh, things are doing fine on the other front. So you just kind of got to wonder what they're going to end up doing uh, regard, you know, regarding that. And I look forward to seeing what kind of legislation they come out with. Um, I think today is one of their deadlines, so I'm kind of curious what they come up with today. Yeah, I, I guess we can't get too much in the way of encouragement by what we're seeing on the federal front. I see where uh, Secretary-Treasurer Yellen has put out a warning over the weekend that uh, she's going to uh, – uh, ask for an increase in the debt ceiling in our, uh, uh, you know, to go beyond what the thirty 
trillion that we're at on the federal level. When you look at what's going on with federal finances and uh, the, the, the trouble that we're in right now, I saw the president, Joe Biden, was boasting this morning about what great things his economic policies are doing. A lot of Americans are scratching their heads and saying, I'm not seeing much of a benefit here. I'm going to the grocery store and I'm seeing in price, increased prices in eggs. That's just one example. Price of eggs has just gone through the roof. We were looking at it on the weekend. I noticed gas prices are going up once again. So uh, what do you say about uh, when you look at federal fiscal policy that perhaps needs to be changed to help states like Mississippi? Well, let's start off with how this problem started. The problem started with the Biden administration pumping in too much money into the economy, and then that raised inflation. So what they need to do in terms of energy, I would believe firmly that we look at becoming more energy independent, uh, which the Biden administration doesn't want to do. Going back to this ESG policy things we uh, were talking about earlier, you know, that puts more restrictions, more things, more taxes, more um, detriment on the state. Let me kind of explain on that a little bit. There's a case currently in front of the Supreme Court regarding pigs, of all things. California decided through a proposition or a legislation that they would only allow certain number of pigs to come into the state, but they had to come from states that allowed them to be raised in a certain way. Well, that violates interstate commerce. But however, that is putting a tax on other states to raise pigs differently. So going back to your question on the federal fiscal policy, the problem is, is that the Biden administration, that liberals and others have done so much to make things more expensive, and that is where we've come to this problem. Yeah, and do you see any solution there at all? Do you see any hope in now that, you know, we hear about the Republicans controlling the House and therefore the the, the purse strings, but that don't really only goes so far, doesn't it? Well, you know, I'm hoping the House can get along with each other. You know, <laughs> <laughs> only a four-person majority makes that a little bit more complicated, but you do have the control of it. So, you know, there is hope there that there is some negotiation going on. You know, I think the uh, Biden administration has a golden opportunity to start new with a new Congress and uh, see where we get. It's whether or not they really want to do it, I think, is the problem. You know, a lot of other states, too, as reading this morning, are starting to feel the impact of illegal immigration. And all of a sudden, uh, people are saying, you know, all states have become border states. And these thousands, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants are spreading into various states. I noticed the mayor of New York went down to the border, El Paso, on the weekend. He's a Democrat. He referred to what's going on at the border as a crisis for the whole nation. Uh, so federal politics impacts everybody in every state, wouldn't you agree? Well, I think it does. I mean, I think it affects everybody. And if you think about it, uh, first of all, my wife is Cuban. Oh. And they, her, her family came over legally uh, after Fidel Castro took over in the 60s. Her mother and her family came over legally. She's Cuban and first-generation American. So I, you know, I, I understand a little more about this. But to answer your question, yes, I mean, every state is directly impacted by the illegal immigrants coming in, uh, not legally. And because in the end of the day, you're going to have to pay more taxes uh, to figure out for public schools because they're not paying taxes. So, you know, I wish the House and 
the Senate and the president could come up with a real solution to bring people into the country and so that people will, you know, pay their fair share of what they're taking advantage of. All right. All right. We've been talking with State Treasurer David McRae. Great to talk with you. And uh, we'll probably have you back once again. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, because they are they are pushing these radical agendas like the ESG. Uh, and as you've explained, that has an impact on so many things. So we'll see what happens this week in Davos, Switzerland, and the impact it may have on Mississippi. And you're going to be in the crosshairs if they do too much more radical thinking there. You're definitely going to be in the crosshairs. And, uh, you know, kind of my last things I would like to point out is that there is a currently in the Mississippi legislature now a great ESG bill that would make sure we only invest in things that make money. Uh, so I'm looking forward to get, seeing that go through the legislature. But one thing I'm going to be working on for the rest of the year and the rest of my term, and I'm running for re-election, so I hopefully get re-elected uh, when I'm, I'll work on it then. But I would love to form a coalition of Republican and uh, conservative treasurers, about 28 of us. And I would like to form a coalition so where that we have all these other states that have a little bit more power and we can force these banks to get away from these ESG policies. What a novel idea. Conservatives getting together to work together for the people of America. Uh, Shocker. I, I think that's a great idea. Hey, David McRae, state treasurer here in Mississippi, so glad to have you with us. We look forward to talking to you again real soon. All right. I appreciate it very much. All right. Take care, man. Bye-bye. All right, and it's been great to be with you today. Uh, listen, this is going to be an exciting year. Uh, conservatives can s- complain or they can stand up and do something about it. Amen? All right. See you again real soon right here in American Family Radio. Much more great programming ahead, so don't go away. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.